have some fun and talk to our buddy over in Cleveland, Dennis Maniloff. He works for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. Does some radio over there as well. Dennis, I don't know if you remember, but last time we had you on, it was, must have been last playoff season, to talk some LeBron. But I also told you, enjoy Calvin Pryor with the Calvin Pryor for Demario Davis uh, yeah. trade. Do you recall that? And how did Calvin Pryor work out for you? <laughs> Not very well at all. And yes, I recall it. And I warn people uh, expressly off of our discussion that Pryor was not going to work out. And I felt really good about saying it because I trusted where it was coming from. Now, I appreciate that, Dennis. But I was watching along thinking, man, well, it's a good thing. Because, you know, sometimes you get him right, sometimes you get him wrong. But Calvin Pryor, it was, he was terrible here. I, I thought the trade didn't make any sense to me, and I know he was terrible with you guys. Before we get into Dennis, before we get into the Cavs and LeBron, that's the reason why I wanted to have you on, as usual. Let's talk a little draft. Are you happy with Baker Mayfield? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, I guess so. Maybe you'd say, well, why would you say yes? If you say to a degree, you add that caveat. Uh, I was surprised by it. I thought they would go Darnold or Allen, uh, the project quarterback behind Taylor for at least a year. Uh, Obviously, they changed uh, that thought process because I think they, I believe them when they say they got bowled over by Mayfield. Uh, They were impressed by what they saw in their private workouts or visits uh, they they said he did a phenomenal job on the grease award you know diagramming plays and remembering plays so i think it was mayfield coming on strong at the end and just kind of upsetting the apple cart so i'm willing to give uh mayfield a clean shot here and see what he can do um you know i'm obviously not bowled over by his physical characteristics but you see his results and you see uh you know, his acumen for the game, and you say, okay, there's intrigue there. Plus, I was willing to give John Dorsey the benefit of the doubt because this is his first draft as a Browns GM, and he deserves a clean slate. He shouldn't be saddled with the sins of the past. Uh, I was surprised that they took Ward at four. I thought they would take Bradley Chubb, but uh, they had their reasons for that. So, to me, they're interesting picks, um, and, you know, we'll have to see. But, again, Dorsey, first-time GM of the Browns uh, deserves a break until we see these guys fall on their faces. Yeah, you just <laughs> exactly, and you just until have to unless wait, wait. I'm sorry, until and unless I don't want to automatically say that they're going to fall. On their yeah, face. and we hope not for your sake. We're talking about Dennis Manilov, Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. You have to trust the GM, and you have to trust Dorsey, and hope that he's right. Look, I like Hugh Jackson. I mean, you figure he could work with a quarterback. I was a little surprised Baker Mayfield from the fans' perspective that they have one guy over another, or they don't care. They're just going to get behind it. I know you had no choice but to get behind and hope for the best, but was it a disappointment with no Darnold or Allen or whoever the case may be? I think there was a degree of disappointment that it wasn't Darnold or Allen because, you know, obviously, you know, in the in the run-up to the draft, which is a season in and of itself, uh, we were conditioned and told by countless experts that the Browns were either going to take Allen uh, or Darnold. And certainly when they acquired Tyrod Taylor – uh, it looked that way because it looked like, okay, you've got the guy that you want to win right now or try to win with right now while the young guy, the project guy, can can learn, uh, maybe from a Drew Stanton, for example. Uh, so we were conditioned that either Donald or Allen was coming to Cleveland. Therefore, the Mayfield pick was not unanimously, you know, cheered. I mean, there there have been critics. There have been people wondering about it. But uh, I think overall, though, this fan base, given that it's so scarred and, and you know, that it's seen 31 losses in the last 32 games, uh, 
is willing to give Dorsey the benefit of the doubt until something bad happens. One thing from the outside perspective, Dennis. Now, I don't like Baker Mayfield. I, I just don't think his game's going to translate well to the next level. I mean, I'm going to root for him for you guys, but I do not want the Jets to touch him whatsoever. I almost feel like he's a better fit for Cleveland because he's got the right mentality to want to go take that team and get them over, the, you know, not over the hump, but get them back to being a winning franchise. I kind of like his intangibles, his makeup in that regard. I, I think that that's the right attitude to have for that city. Is there any truth to that, or you don't buy that? No, I, I'll buy it, absolutely. I, I think that that's one of the elements that impressed uh, the Browns and, and the people who, you know, not only Dorsey's crew, but I guess the, uh, uh, Hugh Jackson was in on it as well to a degree, uh, you know, talking to him and getting to know him. Guys like Todd Haley had to endorse him, I, I'm sure. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have drafted him. Uh, but yeah, the leadership, the the tenacity, the the winning uh, DNA, the overcomer type stuff. You know, even though you can't argue that he's an overcomer anymore because he's number one overall, but he seems to walk around with the chip on his shoulder all the time about, okay, you say I'm too small, you say I'm undersized, I'm going to prove you wrong. Uh, but I think really the key to the Mayfield pick, the, from what I've been able to glean after reading, you know, dozens of articles and listening and listening and listening. I think it was his ability when they put him on the spot on sort of their version of a wonder lick, when they put him on the greaser board and had him diagramming plays, memorizing plays, uh, doing various things in the classroom. I think he blew them away with his acumen and his football IQ, and that was the, what sealed it even more so than the competitive nature or the fiery brand, or whatever. Yeah, interesting. Can't wait to watch him when he uh, eventually gets in a ball game. Hopefully, at some point this year. Well, maybe not. You don't want to see Tyrod go down, but love to see Baker Mayfield and try to turn that Browns franchise around. We're talking with Dennis Maniloff, uh Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. All right. I mean, look, the the one thing Cleveland could hold its hat on is been LeBron James. I got to be honest, Dennis. I'm shocked. Not not shocked that they won the series, but after picking the Cavs to win the series, like who wouldn't? Right in in round one, LeBron never. Lost Loses. Watching it play out the way that I did, I think you could certainly argue the Pacers were the better team for a lot of it, if not the majority of it. But just LeBron James is so dominant. You think this is maybe his most impressive work yet with this team around him to win a Game 7 in that series against that Pacers team? Yeah, I mean, the 2016 NBA Finals will always be, to me, the greatest work that LeBron ever did in a series because you know he won the series, he was phenomenal, uh, and, you know, he gets a title for the city that hadn't had it in 52 years. But I get your point. I, to me, this ranks right up there with his greatest playoff performances because of what what everybody saw. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to disrespect his supporting cast, but I'm going to disrespect his supporting <laughs> cast. Every single night, you did. it was a box of chocolates. You didn't know what you were going to get from anybody around LeBron starting with Kevin Love making $22.6 million, and what's he giving you on a nightly basis? What injury is he going to have this time? I mean, J.R. Smith, who knows what he's up to? Thompson, I mean, how about Ty Lue dusting off Thompson for game seven of the uh, you know season on the line? Thompson gives him 15 and 10 when in his previous six games combined, he'd given him three points. Yeah. I mean, so everywhere you look, there was no reliable help. And some of the staggering numbers that came out of that series, 
a couple of them that jumped off the page to me. LeBron led the Cavaliers with 241 points in that series. Number two was Kevin Love with 80. Oh, my goodness. 80. He led the second-place guy on his team by 161 <laughs> points in a series. That is, If that's not unheard of, I mean, I'd like to know the last time that happened. Uh, it, a, team it, on a, a, a winning team has a disparity of 161 points between one and two. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it, it was incredible watching this, and I'm rooting for the Cavaliers. I picked them to, you know, maybe represent the East or just have some fun picking them in the series here. So I'm watching them, and Kevin loves things. I mean, outside of Game 7 yesterday, finally hit a few threes. Outside of that, he's not grabbing rebounds. He is soft as they come. You mentioned it, Thompson. I forgot he was even on the team. I thought he may be hanging out with, you know, his wife now and the new baby. Yesterday they showed up, but Dennis, outside of that, this was, I mean, this was all LeBron, and that's why, to your point, I know that when the championship is the greatest thing ever, but I can't believe he got this team pretty much single-handedly over the hump in a grueling seven-game series. There's no doubt. And it was a grueling seven-game series. I mean, this was not uh, finesse basketball at its finest. The Pacers are a good, solid, Mm. gritty, gutty, well-coached team with veterans sprinkled in with young guys, but they get in your face. So LeBron was not only scoring and dominating, he was having to do it, you know, wearing various clothing of the Pacers. I mean, you had the one time where Bogdanovich took both hands, both arms, wrapped around him like a like a shirt and just hammered him, common foul. You know, every time you turn around, LeBron's getting hit, getting knocked around. And I'm not sitting there, oh, you know, whoa, is LeBron? Oh, he can't, you know, how, you can't hurt LeBron. I'm just saying he took a physical beating in this series and produced what he did. And another thing about it is, it's not like he piled up these points by jacking up a bazillion shots. I think he shot 54% for the series. So, I mean, his efficiency was good. This, he didn't have to shoot 40 times a night to get his numbers. Mm. And, uh, and how about this, too? In the seven games, nobody, uh, no, no Cavalier other than LeBron scored 20 or more in a game. That's unbelievable. I mean, that is unbelievable. He, yeah. he, he's he been that dominant, and, and I'll agree with you, too. I love the – look, I grew up a 90s Knicks fan, so I love the grinded-out style of basketball where it's not the 3BA, just walking, running down the court, shooting threes left and right. And yesterday you get a nice classic game where they were battling each possession, trying to get down low, get the better looks. And this was a fun series to watch. And just I don't know how you come away with it not thinking that LeBron is the greatest player the sport has ever seen. Now, Dennis, we move on to round two and exhausted LeBron James with a far – you know. Uh, below average supporting cast around him, taking on the one seed in the East. Toronto looked pretty impressive for the most part in their series with the Wizards. Anybody in Cleveland expect this team to compete and keep moving forward? Is it you expect it to run out at some point? LeBron's magic and greatness, or what's the feeling in Cleveland regarding this Cavs team in the East? Uh, the sweaty palms feeling here, um, and I think some realism too. I, honestly, I mean there are. There's a pocket that say, you know, as long as you have LeBron, you have a chance. And I'm with, I'm with that group. Mm. I agree. As long as LeBron's on your side, you have a chance. However, this particular matchup at this time coming off the series the Cavs had, uh, I give the Cavs, you know, a 5% chance of winning the series. And truly, to me, it does have everything to do with rest 
It has everything to do with a seven-game grind out that you had as opposed to the Raptors who were able to rest. Uh, I think I would say the Raptors uh, played a, you know, more of a uh, finesse series against the Wizards. They would probably argue, but I, I don't, I don't know that I've, I can recall in recent memory more physical contact than Cavs Pacers. So, to me, LeBron is tired. He doesn't get the uh, the benefit of any of the two days off in between games. This is a uh, day, uh, you know, game on, game off, game on, game off, all the way through. So he'll never get the extended rest. Uh, they're set up to get boat race tomorrow in Toronto. In a strange way, even though the Cavs have LeBron, I think all the pressure is on Toronto. I, I truly do because if you don't get Toronto, if Toronto doesn't get LeBron now, when are they ever going to get him? Yeah, they're not. This is the time you have to topple LeBron James if you're the Raptors. Yeah, this is it. This is their window. And, you know, for that matter, the team's in the East. I mean, I know the Sixers are building here moving forward, but right now, this is Toronto's time. And and LeBron vulnerable with that supporting cast. they got to take advantage of it. Last one, Dennis, before we let you go, we're talking about Dennis Maniloff, Cleveland Playing Dealer, Cleveland.com. What's next for LeBron? I've been saying for, you know, a long time, I don't think he's going to leave. Push comes to shove. All the reports would indicate otherwise. What is your feel? What do you think happens with LeBron? I'm a huge proponent of LeBron James, and I wish to heck, I hope to heck that he stays. But honestly, I don't think he stays, especially if they get bounced in this round against the Raptors. Because the problem is you can't look to next year and say that a whole lot is going to change. Given the contract situation, given the guys who have to come back who are guaranteed under contract next year, you're going to, where are you going to improve? Where are you going to dramatically improve uh, if you're LeBron and the Cavs in 2018-19? And then if you're LeBron, you look at the 76ers, who seem to be a ready-made spot for you to land, and you can be an Eastern Conference power for the next three to five years as you go, you know, you trade blows with the Celtics. Uh, So honestly, I think LeBron, the businessman, uh, would make the decision to move uh, on from Cleveland, especially if uh, you know he gets bounced in this round. Yeah, I, I could understand it. It'd still be bad for the sport. I'd still be disappointed, not as disappointed as you or anybody in Cleveland, but uh, I'd like to see him stay there and stick it out, but certainly could understand it. Dennis, you got to do me a favor. I want to talk to you before. I think the Jets-Browns have a Thursday night game scheduled this year, if I'm not mistaken. I want to get you on. We'll preview a little Jets-Browns. We'll do all football. Does that sound good? Absolutely, and the next time the Browns make a trade with the Jets or the Giants, <laughs> give me give me the uh, heads up on who uh, the Browns are getting. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, one other, one other thing, real quick. You guys got a good one in uh, Mickey Calloway. Uh, oh, tremendous, tremendous person, tremendous baseball mind. We we miss him over here in Cleveland. Yeah, we love him. Where were you on the heads up with that one, Dennis? I mean, we didn't hear about him, and then all of a sudden he comes here. He's great. I love Mickey Calloway. He has been tremendous here. Uh, we couldn't be happier. So thanks for uh, you know, thanks for hiring Tito and, and all that stuff, and the Mets are reaping the benefits of Mickey Calloway right now. But football season for sure. By the way, the Jets are going to send thank yous too. Thank you for taking Baker Mayfield and leaving Sam Darnold. The Jet fans love, they love that one, oh, Dennis. That's another thing. The perfect manner for Sam Darnold is Josh McCown. There's no question about it. Yeah, McCown has been a tremendous – he's look, he's another great guy here, and he's going to help him out, no question. All right, Dennis, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Take care. Dennis Maniloff, Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. Always fun to get some insight from him in Cleveland sports. He knows what he's talking about. 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Your calls 
Uh, take it on 9 o'clock. We'll do some NBA, Mets, Yanks, whatever it is that's on your mind. Your call's next. 800-321-0710. Sal Akata. And for Pete McCarthy, the voice of New York, 710 WOR. You're in the WOR Sports Zone. And for Pete, here's Sal Licata. Astros with a run in the first off of Sonny Gray. They lead it one nothing, top two in Houston over the Yanks, who have won nine straight. Uh, some injury news around Major League Baseball. Let me just get the exact wording of it for you here. Joe Paddock of the San Francisco Giants is going to be sidelined for the next six weeks after having surgery to repair a torn ulnar collateral ligament in his thumb, left thumb. Surgery, six weeks, torn ligament in his left thumb. Obviously, the reason why I bring that up just gives you a barometer to potentially what that injury could be. Is that the right word? It's pronounced thermometer. Um, I, I, again, we don't know what Cespedes is. We just know that the Mets aren't going to say anything until tomorrow. I'll be shocked. I want to go on record. I would be shocked if come tomorrow when Alderson meets the media, and by the way, we won't even get there. Somebody's going to leak it tomorrow morning at some point. I'd be shocked if it were nothing to... Yeah, no, no problem. MRI came back clean. He's, he'd be out a few days. That's it. He'll be back uh, Friday night versus the Rocks. Shocked. I'm not rooting for that, obviously. I'd just be shocked at this point. I don't I don't think this is going to be good news regarding Cespedes and the Mets. That doesn't mean he's going to be done for the year. It doesn't mean he's going to have to have surgery and be out six weeks. I just don't think it's going to be three days. I think you're looking at minimum couple of weeks. There's something serious that potentially that I just feel it. I don't understand why they wouldn't come out and say otherwise. If it were nothing to worry about, you would they would let it out, let the fan base be at ease and have all the reporters have the story on it. Nothing to worry about Cespedes. Let's get ready for the home series or for the home stand about to begin against the second place Atlanta Braves. I would bet that it is going to be not good news for the Mets. Uh, we'll have Mets tickets to give away this hour. We'll also do, I want to get into, did you watch Producer Mark? Did you happen to watch any of the real sports, Derek Jeter? I did not. Okay, I watched it. I want to give you my take when we come back uh, on Jeter. He sat down, in case you missed it, sat down with Brian Gumble of Real Sports. I think it aired last Tuesday. I happen to have a chance to watch it this weekend, so I'm going to give you my thoughts uh, on that. NBA playoffs going on right now. you got the Celtics and the Sixers in round one. NHL playoffs have been pretty good. Have you been following, Mark? I know you're a big um, you're a big NHL guy, Yeah, right? did you see the Nashville-Winnipeg game I, last night? I did, incredible. I did see that. I'm rooting for – I picked Winnipeg as one of my teams before the year, like a long shot to win the Stanley Cup. So I, they're, they're the last team that's left in the playoffs that I that I picked before the year. So I'm rooting for them. So I paid close attention to that. I know they won game one yesterday, a tremendous game in double overtime, the 5-4 game. So that's been fun. Um, Kings, excuse me, not Kings, Vegas Knights and the Sharks they're also. Incredible. Uh, Vegas doesn't lose. I mean, they finally lost game two. And I actually think the Sharks are going to win that series. But Vegas has just been, I mean, they just, they never lose. I mean, all year long. It's unprecedented. An expansion team. They didn't have players a year ago, and they're in the second round of the playoffs. In the East, you have the Caps and Penguins. Caps coming back, winning game two yesterday. They'll choke. They always you do. think so? I they, actually. They have never won, gone past the second round of the playoffs. I know, but being down 0 2 in the first round, beating the Jackets the way that they did, I feel like maybe this is the Capitals' year. We've been saying that for the past five. I, I well, I mean, I, let's let's see how it plays out. I know that, I get that. I just there's something about this Caps team. I think maybe this is the year that they get over the hump. And it, look, if they beat Pittsburgh, I mean, I know that they got a, a tough chore, a tough chore ahead in either Lightning or the Bruins. 
but I still think the Caps potentially could be the best team. Again, a lot has to happen here. I know they're 1-1. It's going to be tough going to Pittsburgh. You like Pittsburgh then, and what about the other series? I like Pittsburgh, and I like Tampa in the other series. So Tampa down right now, 1-0. That game game two is tonight, right? Yeah, they're they're playing right now. It's 1-1 in the one, second one. period. Okay, interesting. So there's a lot of good a lot of good playoffs going on right now. NBA, NHL, you got the baseball teams uh, you know, doing well here in New York, so it's been fun to watch. Uh 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. Your calls, my thoughts on Derek Jeter. When we come back, we'll do Mets, whatever it is that's on your mind. Draft, anything uh, you want to discuss. LeBron and his greatness. And again, I've been holding out saying Michael Jordan's the best player I've ever seen for years. After this, I mean, after the season, after this round, I, I don't think how you could argue LeBron is not the greatest player sport has ever seen. 800-321-0710. Sal Licata in the Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy, the voice of New York, 710 WOR. This is the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy, here's Sal Licata. 800-321-0710, the number to call. Look, I don't understand. Do yourself a favor. Go and watch the Derek Jeter, if you if you care about sports. I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you do. I mean, I don't want to get into, uh, you know, any Trump nonsense or anything like that. I mean, when I'm on here, it's a sports talk show. Uh, so if you're listening, do yourself a favor. Go watch the real sports segment with Derek Jeter and Brian Gumble, And it is just a lesson to be learned how when one person in the media says something, how everybody else follows it, and they all become, just because they all think that that's the way you should be, it's not the right way. And everybody's ripping Jeter. What is he doing? Oh, he's trading D. Gordon, Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna, John Carlos Stan. The Marlins are going to stink. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's a horrible owner. That is the popular narrative. That, my friends, is the incorrect narrative. Let Derek Jeter do what Derek Jeter's got to do. The franchise has been in ruins. They haven't made the playoffs in 15 years. Yet you got people trying to tell him that they know better than he does and that he's a clueless owner. Who do you think knows what they're doing? The people in the media, the fans complaining, or Derek Jeter? I would every time side with Derek Jeter. Every time. He knows what it takes to win. It's not the same as a player. I get that. But you don't think Derek Jeter knows he's in a different role? You don't think he's learning and learned and has done all he possibly can to be the best owner he could be? You think he wants to go there and ruin the the franchise? Have that on his legacy? What, do you think he's trying to lose? You think he's trying to make that franchise worse? Think about it if you were taking over something. When you move into a house... Do you leave all the stuff that the people in, in it before you had up? Or do you strip it down and get your own stuff in there? Because that's the way that you want it done. Well, Derek Jeter was taking over a team, and I'll go over it with you. I just said they haven't made the playoffs in 15 years. 2003. The win total since 2003. 83, 83, 78, 71, 84, 87, 80. And then Giancarlo came. Oh, Giancarlo came. Giancarlo Stan, they can't lose with him. 72, 69, 62, 77, 71, 79, 77. They haven't won 80 games, over 80 games since 2009. That's a team that you're telling, you're ripping Jeter for stripping down? I mean, what the hell did they win with Ozuna, with Stanton, with D. Gordon? Nothing. Nothing, not even a 500 team. 
So where do people get off saying that Jeter's in the wrong for clearing salary, getting rid of high payroll players on a team that wasn't productive anyway? Yeah, the Marlins might lose 100 games this year. Oh, guess what? It's not like they were much better prior. Again, recent years, 77, 79, 71, 77, 62 in 2013, 69, and 72. That is the last seven seasons before Jeter took over. Well, at what point are you going to wait for D. Gordon and Stanton? Oh, they're close. And Yelich and Ozuna. Oh, they're close. They're close. Can't mess with the mighty Marlins now. I mean, give them a break. This is not building it up to Winter World Series and stripping it down. They haven't won. They haven't been a 500 team. What would you do? You'd keep those players? Or would you just go spend money and add to it? Well, yeah, sure. Let's go sign Jason Vargas. So we have a fifth starter this year. Derek Jeter is not tanking anything. He's trying to build an organization from the bottom up or from the top down. I really don't know. Either way, you get the idea. Leave Derek Jeter alone. Oh, my goodness. A gumble was such a... And I know they had a decent relationship and they were watching the game afterward, but Gumble making it like he, like Derek Jeter's the one who's delusional. No, Brian, you're the one who's delusional, not Derek Jeter. Jeter knows what he's doing. He's building a team here. You took over that team, you're going to keep those guys? Getting, you know what? He should be applauded for giving Stanton up. Applauded for getting rid of that ridiculous contract that some sucker would be willing to take it on. And he had to find a perfect spot because Stan wasn't willing to go anywhere. Narrowed it down to a couple of teams. What he got back was not the issue necessarily. Got to get rid of that contract. They are starting from the ground up. Trust me. Derek Jeter will have that franchise, and people are going to look back. It may be five years, maybe eight years, maybe three years. I don't know. Maybe ten. Derek Jeter will have that franchise at a consistent contender in years to come, and people will look back and look how foolish they were and idiotic they were for doubting a guy who clearly knows what it takes to win and be successful in all areas of life. But they're going to knock him. I, 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 can't, I can't even believe it. 77 wins last year. 79 the year before. 71. 77 and 62 before that. Uh, but Big Bad Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna, D. Gordon, what? They couldn't get any wins? Couldn't be a 500 team? What's he breaking up the 98 Yankees? 800 Mac is in Jersey. What's up, Mac? How you doing, Pete? No, Mac, it's Sal. Mac, Mac. Oh, Sal. Yeah, it's Sal. yeah correct. Oh, yeah. Don't get that wrong. <laughs> That's all right. What's up, Sal, Mac? You're all worked up. I disagree with, with, with Dumble, but I disagree with Jeter, too. Now, there's no such thing as tanking in baseball because the draft doesn't give dividends like the NFL or the NBA. So there's no such thing. Tanking wouldn't work even if he tried. But now, if Jeter had the money, 
he would have kept those guys and added pitching. He didn't get rid of them because they weren't good enough. He got rid of them because he couldn't afford to keep them. Period. That's it. I hated playing those guys when they had all of those names you mentioned. Osuna, Gordon killed the Mets. Stanton killed the Mets. Osuna, nobody can get them out. Yeah, but they've been he killing the Mets. They've been killing them. the Mets for years. Division rivals are going to do that, Mac. That doesn't mean they're a good team. They haven't finished five hundred. They weren't one. They the weren't one player away. They didn't have the pitching, and if he had the money, he would have kept them. Yelich, all of them, and added pitching. They had one and, of the and, best. They had one of the best pitchers in the game prior to his untimely death in Jose Fernandez. Not enough. Not and, enough. Yeah, and well, it wasn't it wasn't enough. You need more. So what do you want to go out? You can't go out and buy five aces, Mac. Doesn't work he like that. He couldn't. Other teams could have. No, no Nobody team. No team could do that. No team could do that. No team could go buy five aces. No team would have gotten rid of those guys if they could have afforded them. Young, good players, excellent offensive players, defensive as well. He just couldn't afford to pay him. I don't blame him for getting rid of him. He couldn't afford him. Yeah, but that's that's also like that's enough. also part of the business, Mac. That's also part of dealing with rebuilding an organization. They can't take. They were losing money. They can't to end. They were losing money and they were losing games. So what's the point? He had to, he had to get rid of him. He couldn't afford to play. Uh, pay him, and he couldn't afford to get pitchers to go with him. He had to get rid of him. No, he had to look, Mac, thanks for the call. He had to get rid of Giancarlo Stanton's contract. The other guys were good young players that eventually are going to start making some money, but there's no point for him to keep them around now. He's got to change the culture. Top to bottom. That's it. Clean house. Bring in his players. Build a winning culture. Teach these guys in the minor leagues the way that he wants them to be taught. Ray and Waterbury. Ray, what's up? Hi, Sal. How are you, Ray? Good, Sal. Leave, leave it. Everything was going real good so far. No, you know, other than a couple of minor injuries in the catcher, you know, which we're not, no big loss, darn all. And now we got to worry about Cespedes. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem, Ray. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. And thanks for the call. I, this is a concern. I didn't think it was a big deal yesterday when it happened. Uh, the Again, the, the x-rays, for, why even waste time with a stupid x-ray? It doesn't mean anything. I'm tired of it. It's the MRI. If there is some kind of significant damage to a ligament in that thumb, it's going to be a problem. I mean, there's no other way to sugarcoat it. You could look, and you know what? You're going to get a, a good look at Brandon Nimmo, Juan Lagares at extended playing time. You hope Conforto comes out of it. Bruce starting to get hot. It's not like they've, it's not like they get nobody. It's not like Eric Campbell is going to be playing left field. But if they lose Cespedes for any extended period of time, it's going to be a problem. Team that's trying to win a division and get in the postseason can't lose your superstar for any extended period. Six weeks, that's a problem. Two, three weeks, you could survive that. We'll await tomorrow with bated breath. Artie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie? Hey, Sarah, I'm sorry to change the subject on no, you. No, no problem, no but, problem. But, you know, this darn old thing, I'm, I'm so ecstatic that they got him. But now that they got him, is there's two ways to approach what, how the season's going to go. Darnold you're I talking think, about, right? You, you said Darnold. It sounded like you said Darnold. I was yeah, confused for a second. Yeah, it's oh, Darnold, okay. right? <laughs> sorry, Artie, that's so, all right. Yeah, it's Darnold. So with, with the coach on the Jets who's looking to win and save his job, He's not going to go the the Rams route and start a, a rookie guy. He's going to, if anything, he's going to start McCown, and I got to sit there and watch McCown start Jet games for what? Well, he for wasn't no bad, Artie. He wasn't bad last year prior to going down, McCown. And you also I didn't got say he was bad, but a 
are you are you thinking that you're going to be in the playoffs with McCown? You also got Teddy Bridgewater. I think the Jets could be a playoff team next year. Now, you know, Artie, I've been high on the Jets for years. And two years ago, it didn't work out. Last year, they were better than most people thought. I thought they'd be pretty good. I think this year's best case scenario is you start McCown or Bridgewater, and they play well, defense plays good, they have enough weapons offensively where they get themselves into the postseason. Now, if that doesn't happen, I would think midway through you'd realize – Maybe it's time for Sam Darnold. And okay. then, you look, I know you want to see Darnold and get excited, but maybe the best thing for Darnold and the future of the franchise is that he sits for a year. Okay, now, okay, so let's play this out. McCown plays, and they win seven games, right? Yeah. Next year, Darnold is, is the quarterback. You have enough faith in Bowles now. You haven't seen him coach Darnold. You don't know what, what you got in him. Do you go another year with Bowles again? It's a good question. I probably would if they go seven and nine this year with McCown. Yeah. I think it all depends on how this year plays out, Artie. Last year, I'm more, see, I'm more interested to see what Bowles is doing with the with the rookie quarterback rather than seeing him go with McCown again. If you told me Bridgewater, fine, you know he's healthy, I'm okay with that. I'd rather see, for God's sake, instead of McCown, I'd rather see Hackenberg. Yeah, well, you're not going to see him. <laughs> You know, yeah, all right, Artie. Thanks for the call, as always. Love Artie's passion. You're not going to see Hackenberg. I, I understand what you're saying about McCown. Look, it's going to be up for competition between McCown, Bridgewater, and I'd expect Sam Darnold. Best is going to play. And then if somebody gets hurt, somebody doesn't perform, next guy up. At least they're in decent shape with that. Plus, along the way, you hope to develop the future of the franchise. Jeff is in Jersey. What's up, Jeff? Hey, Sal, I'm going to walk you off the ledge just a little bit here. Okay. Please do, Jeff. I'm going to need to get some sleep tonight. Absolutely. I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you to bed 30 minutes earlier. <laughs> uh, in the interview with Cespedes after the game, he was shown there buttoning his shirt. His hand seemed fine. He was using his thumbs. Also, we don't know. I mean, they got to bed probably after 3 in the morning. We don't know what went on today. We don't even know if they had the MRI today. Or if they did, maybe it was late in the day. So... Yeah, no, we, 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 there's just a lot of stuff we don't know before before totally thinking the worst. That is correct. Also, yeah, I don't know, Jeff. I'm not necessarily thinking the worst. I just don't like that they didn't come out with what happened. I'm just reading a tweet from Andy Martino, so I'll give you the latest. He said the team didn't have any update today, as we already knew. Even internally, it seemed and doesn't seem overall worried about the situation. So there's a little bit more of a positive spin on it. Right, because... Cespedes himself, like he didn't, he didn't have ice on his hand or anything. He was just sitting there casually buttoning his shirt. That's all I can say. But you know, one other thing, I remember long ago there was some manager who would fine his players if they dove headfirst in the first base. I think they should fine their players whenever they slide headfirst into any base. Guys do it all the time. They do it all the time, Jeff. I mean, it's so, it's so risky. It's not good sliding, and thanks for the call. Sliding is an epidemic in baseball. Guys don't know how to slide into they don't know how to slide into home. They always go head first there, which is just idiotic. It's not the right way to go into the bag. Reyes yesterday slid into second base like a football player would slide. I mean, he basically he slid way too late, and I thought he was going to get hurt on that slide. Cespedes didn't have a bad slide, but still, when you go in with your hand like that, that's why you see those guys wear those oven mitts, so it kind of prevents those fingers from getting jammed or banged up. Cespedes doesn't, goes with the batting glove, and then there's an issue with the thumb. So, who knows? We will see. 800-321-0710. Mets tickets to give away. When we come back, Salakata in the Sports Zone, the voice of New York, 710 WOR.